This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni. And I'm Tefra Jemian. And you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Today, we are talking all about pumpkins because it's spooky season, Halloween, etc. But before we get into pumpkins, we want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. When we're talking about something as indigenous to North America as pumpkins and squash, I think we would be remiss not to mention that like yes that is something that they had a like a long beautiful history with prior to settlers arriving prior to colonization Uh, and we're going to get into that a little bit actually during the course of this episode talking a little about the history of pumpkins where they come from how they developed and became what they are today and the sort of cultural significance around all of that Um, so yeah I want to uh, again encourage you to take some time today to kind of think about that think about (laughs) think about your pumpkins and think about where your pumpkins come from and now we're gonna consider the humble pumpkin indeed how do you feel about pumpkins tell me your first thoughts on pumpkins my first thoughts on pumpkins are they are nice little round boys Uh i think the thing that stands out to me about pumpkins is that they're extremely versatile Mm. and for me personally just like a cooked pumpkin flesh is not really the thing that does it for me. Mm-hmm. Like I will happily eat a roasted pumpkin like pureed with some spices. I'll happily eat a squash soup that has pumpkin. But for me, pumpkin really shines when it's like gone through a few more steps. Sure. You know, so pumpkin pie is one of my favorite things to eat. I love right. pumpkin pie. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into this plenty, but a pumpkin spice latte sure. is a nice, pretty little thing. Indeed. And I like it in a soup. But like a, a pumpkin is one of those few vegetables slash fruits. I guess it's a fruit. I guess it's technically a fruit because it holds its seeds on the inside. Mm. Uh, 
where my first instinct is not to, to just grab one and yummy down on it. Sure, yeah. Well, and that has something to do, I think, at least a little bit with, like, the sort of uh, <laughs> density of a pumpkin. You don't just crunch yeah. into a pumpkin out of hand. You no. don't just pick up a pumpkin and go, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> no, I'm not a horrifying eldritch horror monster. Or a squirrel. I guess squirrels are kind of horrifying eldritch horror if monsters. They were, if, imagine a squirrel the size of a person. If you want to imagine a squirrel the size of a person, I've got a D&D podcast for you. <laughs> <clears throat> so let's get into like a brief history of pumpkins. For pottage and puddings and custards and pies, our pumpkins and parsnips are common supplies. We have pumpkins at morning and pumpkins at noon. If it were not for pumpkins, we would be undune. Did you did you write a poem for this? No, of course not. Okay. <laughs> 17th century pilgrims wrote a poem about I this. Just, I just panicked a little because I was like, <laughs> I was like, you're so much more prepared for this. <laughs> No, I googled pumpkin poems and found the earliest one I could find. Come on, I'm not that prepared. Uh, Yeah, so um, pumpkins, as may be evidenced by that early 17th century pilgrim poem, were extremely popular among early settlers in New England and also settlers in New Amsterdam, although interestingly not in the New Netherlands as a whole, just very specifically New Amsterdam. But who fucking cares? Because New Amsterdam was around for 30 seconds before it became New York. I was going to say, can you please translate for me? What are you talking about? Not all of us are history students. I'm sorry. New Amsterdam was a colony. Well, I know of New Dutch Amsterdam folk. was New York, but yeah. what are, when you talk about New Dutch land, are you talking about New York State? Like how big? Like what kind of a like? I'm just painting an East Coast picture, babe. The East Coast. The East Coast is big. Okay. Yeah, New England, New York, that kind of corner. Real popular pumpkins, loved them. Primarily a poverty food, often used for farming, though, uh, as opposed to something super, you know, fancy and delicious, which, you know, makes sense because, like you were saying, you can't just, like, crunch into a pumpkin. It's kind of... Try <laughs> Unless you're cattle, I guess. Cattle could crunch cattle pumpkins. Cattle could crunch a pumpkin. Yeah. Cattle are very strong. They are very strong. They got those tough jaw. You ever look at a cow in the mouth? I have. <laughs> you ever look at a cow in the mouth? <laughs> Don't look and get the cow in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. You can lead a cow to water, but you can't make it move. Um, prior to all of the uh, pilgrim fun around pumpkins, uh, Columbus, actually, on his arrival in the Americas in the 15th century, immediately recognized that pumpkins and squash were clearly relatives of things like the zucchini that he loved back home. Uh, so he brought their seeds back to Europe. And so pumpkins have been in Europe for a hot minute as well, um, by virtue of that kind of trade having happened. But even before that, indigenous communities had been using pumpkins, uh, arguably squash, because pumpkin is kind of just a squash, but a different variety of it, along with beans and corn, which they called the three sisters for ages as important cultural staples for food and also for medicine. Going back even further than that, it's kind of fun doing history backwards, isn't it? Uh, The oldest record that we're aware of, so spoilers, this is my last history point, uh, of anything even remotely resembling a pumpkin is from centuries before any form of colonization uh, in what would be modern-day Oaxaca, uh, where they had squash, definitely had types of squash, but they were a lot more dense, I guess. Uh, They weren't as bright, they weren't as flavorful as the pumpkins that we have bred today. Um, So at the time, they were mostly just appreciated for their seeds, or pepitas, which are still a pretty popular staple in Mexican cuisine today. I have a fun fact. So in 1584, when Jacques Cartier explored the St. Lawrence, Mm -hmm. we don't like Jacques Cartier, we go boo, he reported finding gross melons. 
And then the English called them pompion for some reason. Yes. And then they got called pumpkins. So anybody who speaks French knows that what I actually mean is gros melon, which means big titties. Um, sorry, did I say that? <laughs> you mean big melons. Jugs, if you will. <laughs> um, and that is where the name pumpkin apparently comes from. <laughs> So next time you look at a nice jack-o'-lantern while you're trick-or-treating with your children, think about titties. I I think about all the people who are going to listen to this show who don't listen to my other show and are just going to be like, oh, you're like this now. This is how you are now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So we've kind of alluded to pumpkins being a squash. Let's talk about what a squash is, I guess. A squash is a type of fruit, which means it has its seeds on the inside. Typically kind of harder skin, not good in a fruit salad. Well, no, but melons are part of the same family, and cucumbers are part of the same family. Oh, God. I, yeah. Oh. They're all the same, and I do like a cucumber in a Not salad. Not a fruit salad. A Greek salad is a fruit salad. How dare you? What? Oh, God, you're You right. said that. You said oh. that. That was your point. You tweeted wrong. that. I have receipts. I'm upset. Why are we talking about salad again? We're talking about squash. We're talking about squash. So, so squash is, there's a lot of different kinds. of. They're, they're all melons, and there's... There's ones that are cucumbers, and there's ones that are cantaloupes, and there's the ones that got powdery mildew and died on my balcony, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. are ocas melons. And they're all indigenous to Central America, and the ones that are not nice to crunch into are what we call squash. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, yes, but there's also a distinction to be made between a summer squash and a winter squash. So a summer squash is a category of squash that actually you can just crunch into. Yeah, but it's just you, not tasty. It's have, like a zucchini. Have you ever just bitten into a zucchini? Zucchinis are a nothing food. Yeah. I know we say there's no bad food, but <laughs> I would argue that there is one bad food. And it's zucchini. And it's zucchini. <laughs> <laughs> zucchini isn't good raw. Zucchini isn't good cooked. Zucchini doesn't improve anything. All zucchini does is add water to stuff. <laughs> and not even that much water. And not even of- that much water. There's there's nothing that you put zucchini in that would not be improved by removing the zucchini. All right, hot take, hot take. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna change the name of this show to One Bad <laughs> One food. Bad Food. It's just zucchini. This is a zucchini podcast now. <laughs> this is a zucchini shaming podcast now. So yeah, uh, zucchinis, cucumbers, etc. are summer squashes. Uh, a good way to remember the difference between a summer squash and a winter squash is that a summer squash. You know, it's summer. It's nice. You can get through the shell of it because it doesn't need to have a hard shell because it's the summer. It takes its clothes off. Well, it doesn't take its clothes off. It takes its sweater off and is light and ready for you. Uh, That's weird. Uh, Whereas a winter squash, like a pumpkin, has a harder skin. That's that's kind of the main distinction between the two of them. I think the other like main distinction, if if I may, Mm -hmm. is that summer squashes are ready to be harvested in summer. And winter squashes are ready to be harvested in late fall. You know, that's also a fair point. (laughs) But for those of us who aren't, you know, harvesting, (laughs) were someone to ask you, you know, the less obvious distinction between both. Um, And also that winter squashes keep very well and you can put them in the cellar and you can eat them all winter. That is true. Because of their thick skins. Because of their thick skins. Tefford, do you know the difference between a squash and a gourd? How dare you? I'm just curious. I absolutely do not. Okay. <laughs> I thought this was like a hottie, you know. <laughs> How dare you ask me a question I don't know the answer to. There we go. Um, 
it's a nothing difference, essentially. Gourds and squashes are functionally the same kind of thing. Uh, the only real difference is that you don't really eat a gourd because it is mostly for decoration. So like where we get all those like fancy decorative pumpkins and stuff, you would call those gourds as opposed to, you know, edible ones, which you'd call squashes. What do you think a pumpkin is? I mean, I'm pretty sure a pumpkin is a gourd. It's both. It's both. It's both. But I want to just ask something quest- quickly about that. Mm-hmm. Is that as a squash is just... <laughs> Is a squash is just a gourd that has been bred to be more edible, and a gourd is more like what they used to be. Originally. Pretty much, okay. yeah, yeah. Like th- that's it. it. Essentially, you know, ancient Oaxacan gourd <laughs> was just gourd, and now there are gourd and squash. I have another question for you mm-hmm. about gourds, squashes, and melons. Did you know that a loofah is a melon? Really? Yeah. Lufas, lufas, you can grow them. We can't grow them here because it's too cold to grow anything interesting. But you grow them and you let them dry out and then you peel them and that's the loofah. Oh, I'm looking at a full loofah right now and yeah. that totally makes sense. It, it just looks like a hollowed out zucchini. That's basically what it is. Foul. Yeah. Yeah, it grows <laughs> and it dries out and then you peel it and you can just grow your own loofahs. Huh. And I would if we lived somewhere where it wasn't winter six months of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Mm-hmm. I would not have known that. You can just grow them. Yeah. You just grow them. Neat. And then you can sell them on Etsy for like a lot of money. <laughs> There's a business idea for you, folks. <laughs> Feel free to take that business idea. All right. Lay some more knowledge on me. I am going to lay some more knowledge on you. The last piece of knowledge I'm going to lay on you is about the mythology around the Halloween jack-o'-lantern pumpkins. So obviously this episode is coming out the week of Halloween. There we go. We got our obligatory Halloween spooky time out of the way. So this, uh, we'd be remiss not to talk about, you know, the Halloween significance of pumpkins. Um, So let me take you back several centuries. (laughs) Do you see how my, like, it's fun. It's fun being a history major because I do know lots of dates, but I can't be asked to actually write them down or remember them. So I just default to several centuries ago. You're going to catch me doing this a lot. You must ghost a lot of people. (laughs) Well done. Um, So here we go. Several centuries ago in Ireland, there was this drunk guy named Stingy Jack. Stingy what? Jack. <laughs> Stingy Jack! So Stingy Jack was an Irish drunkard who stumbled through the countryside one day and found a dead body. Uh, he, you know, went and took a look at the dead body, and it had an eerie smile, and it turned out to be the devil. Uh, the devil had come to collect Stingy Jack's soul and take him to hell for, you know, being a drunk. Stingy Jack tricked the devil into letting him get one last drink before taking his soul, and the devil was like, yeah, all right, fine, I'm a nice guy, whatever. Took him to the bar to get his last drink, and then when it came time to pay the tab, Stingy Jack was like, oh, shoot, I don't have my wallet, how am I supposed to pay for this drink? And said, hey, Lucifer, how about you turn into a coin, and we can we can pay for the drink with you, and then you can just uncoin yourself and you know, we'll get out of here. And Satan was so impressed that he was like, oh, that's that's pretty fucking devious. Yeah, let's do it. And turned <laughs> into a coin. Before he had a chance to be used as payment, however, Stingy Jack was like, ha, gotcha. And put Satan coin in his pocket where he also had a crucifix. Now, <laughs> you know, for maybe obvious reasons, the crucifix stopped Satan from getting out of coin form. So he was just stuck in Stingy Jack's pocket as a coin. Stingy Jack pays with money that he had because Satan didn't think to check his wallet. <laughs> and takes satan in his pocket outside and says okay so here's the deal i will let you out of my pocket 
on the condition that you let me live for another 10 years before coming to get my soul. Satan's like, yeah, all right, fine. Let's him do that. 10 years later, they reconnect. <laughs> Stingy Jack tricks him again. Uh, and this time, the deal that's made is, look, I will, you know, let you go back to being the devil on the condition that you never take my soul to hell. Satan's like, fuck it. Just make me the devil again. I'm fine with this. I don't care that much. And leaves. When Stingy Jack eventually dies, he is too much of a sinner to go to heaven, by virtue of having been a big dumb drunkard his whole life. Uh, but he can't go to hell, because Satan promised he was not going to take him to hell. So Satan's like, alright, fine, uh, here, gives him an eternal flame, <laughs> which has Stingy Jack puts inside of a hollowed-out rutabaga, uh, and then he uses that eternal flame as a light as he wanders the realm between heaven and hell for the rest of eternity. Uh, and that is the legend that gives us the jack-o'-lantern, or the jack-of-the-lantern, Stingy Jack's new moniker. That is a significantly wilder story than I expected. Right? I like these stories that are always like, this guy, total dirtbag. There was this guy, nobody liked him. He was a turtle, total. (laughs) (laughs) He was a turtle. This fucking turtle. I'm telling you, man. (laughs) He was a total dirtbag. Nobody liked him. Total, total jerk. Here's a story of how he tricked the devil by being dope as hell (laughs) and never had to die. Don't be like him, children. Yeah, well, that's it. So so let that be a cautionary tale, not to drink too much, I guess, because otherwise you'll turn into a pumpkin. I mean, the cautionary tale I have from this story is uh, don't look up the rutabaga jack-o'-lanterns. So jack-o'-lanterns were made out of rutabagas and turnips uh, until pumpkins showed up, basically, because that was what they had in Europe. And um, they're horrifying. They're terrifying. Don't oh, Google that. No, I don't don't like Google that. that. They're scary. I don't like that at all. Uh, pumpkin jack-o'-lanterns are much friendlier. <laughs> um, wow. I really, I really think moving to pumpkins was the right call uh, because they are a more kind of jovial, fun Halloween rather than uh, rather than a horrifying eldritch Halloween. The the rutabaga ones kind of look like a shrunken head a little. They bit. do. They they look very much uh, like 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 a scary head. Yeah. Um, because they wither. Yeah. Like pumpkins have that hard rind. Yeah, that's it. And even when a pumpkin starts to wither in, you know, late November or whatever, after you've been leaving it out on your porch for way too long, it just sort of like falls inward on itself. So it still keeps its smile. It just kind of looks like its head's getting caved in. I have two things to say about that. One, sometimes people will treat pumpkins, jack-o'-lanterns with bleach to keep them from molding and rotting for Mm. longer when they're on their porch. I want to give a little PSA. Don't do that. Treat them with vinegar. Because squirrels actually really like pump jack o' lanterns are a really good source of wintertime stocking up nutrition for squirrels and other little animals and birds. Bleach really hurts them, and yeah. you can end up really injuring your local wildlife. Vinegar does not hurt them, they can still eat them, and it will still keep your pumpkin from rotting and molding. So yeah. that's just a little PSA. Think about it this way if you wouldn't pickle cucumbers in bleach. <laughs> Don't pickle your pumpkin in bleach. Exactly, because we love squirrels. Yeah. Um, I have one other thing about jack-o'-lanterns that I want to tell you, which is that I grew up with a beautiful book called Mousekin's Golden House hmm. by Edna Miller. I think I maybe also grew up with this book. That cover is very familiar. It's beautiful, and I've tried to find it. It's out of print, and it's hard to find now. But it's about a little mouse who is looking for a place to stay away from the snow and, and uh, winter. And finds a jack-o'-lantern and makes a little nest with milkweed fluff in it. And then, you know, the jack-o'-lantern closes its eyes and mouth and protects Mousekin from the storm. 
and Maskin hibernates in the jack-o'-lantern. Um, the illustrations are absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's a really sweet book. I would really like to find another copy of it, but I have this magical little dream of sleeping inside a pumpkin lined with milkweed fluff now. If you have a copy you'd like to donate to our collection of children's books so that our children can also grow up with a beautiful Mm -hmm. pumpkin book, we do have a P.O. box. And and you can find the address for that in the description. Probably a lovely video of our little soft three-year-old reading it because he'll probably be very cute. Yeah, he really likes pumpkins. They're so smooky and funny. Smooky. So our toddler is turning three uh, on November 2nd, and he is very excited about his smooky birthday and talking about it a whole lot. So it's it's all very... Well, he's also telling us that it's his birthday every single day. Every it's day. been his birthday every day for a month. Our son is 40. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's really like both of our children are kind of spooky little goths. Yeah. And it's really just been like Halloween for like six weeks here. Yeah, which yeah. is okay. You know, it's fun. I'm into it. Of all the holidays, there yeah. are worse ones to there, do year round. There are worse things I could do. Yeah. yeah, I do think Christmas is above that for me, just because like the music slaps. You know, I mean, not anymore. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> We're a Halloween house now. I guess so. Get in line. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't mind me. Just gonna. <laughs> I'm sure you could adapt Christmas carols to be Halloween carols. Carol of the Bells already is. Yeah, exactly. All right, should we um, pump, 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 pump over to the mid-roll? Pumpkin pumpkin. (laughs) Come on, you're going to just leave me hanging. I'm going to leave you hanging. Hey, hey, welcome to the mid-roll, the spooky Halloween mid-roll. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of October... So for the next week, I guess, we'll be donating $2 to the depot, our local no blood way. bank, food no. bank. <laughs> oh, well done. Here in NDG, they can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of this show, you'll be donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. A fun fact about Tom is that they're Hungarian, which means that around Halloween every year, uh, they turn into a vampire and they can't help it. There's no other way to turn zero into six. So if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what the depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. Now the show has been heavily focused on food for a while. We went back and we noticed that most of our existing Apple podcast reviews are pretty outdated and talk about the show as if it's a comedy podcast. So if you've already left a review in the past, take this opportunity to go update it before it's too late. Lightning sound here. And we'll include it as a new review, even if it's just an update, because accurate reviews are more helpful than outdated ones. And make sure not to misgender your hosts. Because misgendering is spooked. <laughs> Can I 
stop this now? Can yes. I stop this voice now, please? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, none of our reviews yet mentioned Teffer. So how about you fix that? How about you go leave us a review that says how much you love that Teffer's here now? And I know you do. Yeah. I know you do. You love this. Go leave us a five-star review that says, I'm so glad I don't only have to listen to Tom's stupid shit for an hour every week anymore. <laughs> and I now I get, get to Teffer's. listen to Teffer's. <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, lastly, if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to last week's episode where we talked about apples, uh, go cue that up and listen to it when you're done with this one. It, it'll really get you in the fall spirit to talk about apples and pumpkins one after another. What was that second one? Pumpkins. <laughs> That's enough from us. Let's get back to the show. So let's get into the edibility of pumpkins. Let's talk about munching some punching. What's your favorite way to eat a pumpkin? Mm, seeds, honestly. I think <laughs> not to be someone who's like, the original is the best, but I actually do kind of think that like pumpkin seeds are dope and every other form of pumpkin is mediocre at best for me anyway. But like not even pumpkin pie? Not even, I, like I, I will eat pumpkin pie. I like pumpkin pie, but pumpkin seeds, infinitely better. Pumpkin seeds are, no, you know what? I I always find that they are too hard and crunchy for my little baby jaw and Mm -hmm. I have like I have the kind of jaw where like every time I go to the dentist like no matter what dentist the dentist will always just be like oh wow oh wow we gotta get the we gotta get the baby films do you have the baby x-ray kit we gotta get the we got a real small mouth here folks wow tiny little baby teeth oh and I got my wisdom teeth out this summer and the and the and the the oral surgeon was like wow you got such small teeth it's gonna be so I've um, never taken wisdom teeth out of a literal infant before (laughs) what's your little baby head I didn't didn't know you could even grow wisdom teeth (laughs) in a tiny little baby jaw like this how Um, do you have such a baby sized head but an adult sized body (laughs) like somehow somehow it's not even my head my head is like a normal size but my face is like two-thirds the size of a normal person's face like we did um we did masks in grade nine where we would like put plaster on and take it off and i remember like we did these masks and we put them out to dry we lined them up and somebody was like whose is this and held mine up and i was like and they were like why is why is your face so small why is your jaw so small why do you have the face of a baby um so for me uh crunchy hard seeds are just a little much for my for my little delicate sensitive baby jaw (laughs) i hope y'all didn't want content today this is content how dare you i have had ones that were roasted well enough to be have a delicate crunch. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, maybe it's because I have mostly eaten homemade ones. And like, there's only so much you can do sure. in your home oven before you just burn them. And then they're just like hard and they cut your gums, but they also taste burnt. You know, I will I will acknowledge that pumpkin seeds are hard to get perfect. Yeah. You've, you've got to actually like nail it. Well, pepitas actually, though, like when you buy pepitas at the store, like the green ones, that's the inside of the pumpkin seed. That's the better part. So that's the difference is yeah. that when you're at home and you toast them, you're toasting the outer part of mm-hmm. the pumpkin seed. Unless you go to the trouble of shelling them. Exactly. But yeah. who does that? Yeah. Uh, not my family. Not, <laughs> not my family growing up. I was given this tasty treat. Just tastes like blood. 
Um, but yeah, the inside bits are really nice. What I like to do, okay, I haven't talked about pumpkin bread yet. Let's talk about pumpkin bread. I gotta bread. make pumpkin bread soon. I love pumpkin bread. That's probably my favorite way to eat pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really beautiful recipe for it, which I think probably came from Smitten Kitchen. That's where I get most of my mm-hmm. recipes, where you do like a nice crust of cinnamon sugar on top, and then I like to sprinkle some pepitas on top of that, and mm. then you get like a little crunchy extra pumpkin on the top. Uh, but like, it makes it just like pumpkin bread is so moist and it's so tender and it's so yummy uh and i really like it and i like to make it and eat it and i like to make it in muffins and then the kids like to eat it and it's just a really nice way to eat pumpkin yeah and pepitas i've definitely uh your pumpkin bread is one of the things i have this habit where when stuff gets baked i will either eat it Till it disappears within yes. like a day or two or I'll have like some on the first day and then never touch it again mm-hmm. and the pumpkin bread's one of the ones that I will consistently like yeah. yummy down on it's yeah so it doesn't nice. last very long no. in our house it's it gets, it's because it's kind of perfect like I mean I'm a sucker yeah. for cinnamon yeah. uh, and maybe we can transition from cinnamon to pumpkin spice in a second mm-hmm. but like I am a sucker for cinnamon I am a sucker for cinnamon sugar especially and the sort of pumpkin bread and banana bread and even zucchini bread like all of the sort of like loaf <laughs> like the the quick breads are qu- what they're called they're called quick breads called as quick a category breads. thank you because i was banana gonna call bread, them just like cake date nut loaf all of that <laughs> i was gonna call them produce loaves so i'm glad that you fixed that no i like that i like that <laughs> but yeah zucchini bread is maybe the only form of zucchini that i will enjoy but mm. i maintain that it's better if you replace the zucchini with carrots so Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? You can replace the zucchini with pumpkin and it's better too. One bad food. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about pumpkin spice. Yes. So obviously pumpkin spice gets some hate because it's mainstream and people like to hate on things that are mainstream. <laughs> I mean, I feel ki- it's kind of weird with pumpkin spice because I feel like pumpkin spice emerged as a concept in my living memory mm-hmm. and we've seen it go that kind of full. And now we've seen it kind of go the full cycle so it first came out i don't remember when starbucks rolled it out but that's really when it blew up was when starbucks had the pumpkin spice latte because it's just delicious i don't care if you think it's basic and only for christian girl autumn which we will talk about (laughs) it is nobody's nobody's like oh yuck i know there's gonna be the one person who's like actually i'm like oh yuck because all i drink is fair trade americanos (laughs) simon but uh (laughs) 2003, by the way. Okay. So, like, pumpkin spice lattes came out in 2003, which is when I was 12. And everybody went just bonkers. Everybody went wild for pumpkin spice. And at first it was just that. And then it was everything. And you can get pumpkin spice candles and pumpkin spice, I don't know, everything. You can make your car smell like pumpkin spice. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And pumpkin spice is literally just pumpkin pie spice and a little pumpkin. Yeah. And it's a delicious flavor combo. And it's nice in the latte. I just had my first pumpkin spice latte in a very long time. (laughs) But then because people liked it, eventually somebody has to ruin that, right? Like every time a bunch of people are like, this thing is great. There's always a small knot of people are like who are like, you know how I can look cool by shitting all over this thing that people like. Right. Um, and so that happened for a while. And for a while it was like, yeah, pumpkin spice this, pumpkin spice that. And then we've gotten to the end of the cycle now here where it's starting to come back 
like maybe ironically at first but now I think honestly just with the pandemic everybody's looking for joy and nobody has time to shit all over nice things anymore I think that's probably I really think that's what it is well and it's cozy too which people are looking for in the pandemic whether they're willing to acknowledge it or not exactly (laughs) I think about my like broiest bro friends who are like the thing that they have gotten the most into during the pandemic is watching sports games on TV and there's something cozy about that they never acknowledge it but there's something real cozy about a routine thing where you feel like you're part of something Mm -hmm. like unifying and you get to sit in your house and enjoy it that's cozy so here's the thing for me when I think about pumpkin spice lattes specifically sure I love them I always have one in the fall except I didn't for the last two years well I always have my first one right Mm -hmm. like the first one is something special and I finally had that this year after not having it for two years I think just because of pandemic things baby things etc there's something really special about getting your first PSL of the season you know are you okay I have the Wikipedia page for pumpkin spice (laughs) open and there's a sentence that says a pumpkin recipe <laughs> calling for a similar spice mix can be found as far back as 1796. Incredible. Pumpkin. <laughs> I'm sorry. When I think about pumpkin spice lattes, <laughs> when I think about gross melons, I think about um, seasonal ritual. Yeah. And seasonal ritual is really important. Like, I, I mean, you know this. People know this. I, I follow, like, the moon calendar and the sun calendar, and I observe those things because I've found that seasonal rituals really, really help me with the whole, like, time is just disappearing on me, and I never know what's happening. Um, and so, like, for me, I get my first pumpkin spice latte in the, in the fall. I also get my first frappuccino in the summer. Mm-hmm. And these are things that I started doing as a teenager right. when, like, remember in the 2000s when, like, going to Starbucks was cool. Right. And now going to Starbucks is isn't cool anymore uh but i'm 30 so it doesn't fucking matter um because once you're 30 you're just not cool anymore by default so no once you're 30 you just don't care right (laughs) like i don't i don't have time like i don't have time to drink black coffee to look cool when i like it better with stuff in it yeah i used to do that i did that at one point in my life Mm -hmm. i don't do that anymore yeah because we gotta just enjoy things just let people enjoy things so like here's the thing if you don't like pumpkin spice pumpkin if you don't like ginger spice if you don't like baby spice lattes just don't drink them you don't have to drink them nobody's making you nobody's making you participate in cozy fall culture but like you're missing out and Mm -hmm. um this is something i really love about like a cultural shift that's happened during the pandemic like you were saying with coziness and i think that's where like cottage core and cabin core Mm -hmm. comes in Mm -hmm. people are just going okay what are accessible things that make me feel comfort? Mm-hmm. And so that can be, I'm going to hang up a bunch of fairy lights and dried flowers in my room. And that can be, I'm going to drink the pumpkin spice latte because it's delicious. And I'm going to make myself a pie this weekend just because I can. Yeah. And I'm going to wear a cozy sweater. And that's really valuable, especially I think because in the like 2010s to like, like that, that decade of the 2010s, there was a lot of like, how do I be as cool and edgy and not basic as possible? And that was yeah. the time when I was in college, so that was fun. Right. But it was really like, how do I not be just a mainstream hipster? How do I signal that I'm like a special hipster right. who's like a genuine? And so it's just really nice to just be like, now we're all just like, does it taste good? Cool. Is it nice? Cool. Is it cozy? Cool. Uh, is it built on unpaid labor? Probably. 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 Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like, 
I think there was also this trend uh, throughout literally forever, uh, but especially during that period of like shitting on things that like teenage girls like. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe it's, <laughs> I don't know if it's because I've just like winnowed out my circle so that I'm no longer like exposed to people who shit on things teenage girls like, but I do feel like there's been a bit of a shift in yeah. that culture. No, there where, has. Like, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, people are allowed to like the shit that they like now yeah. a lot more. And we as a society writ large are getting better at not seeing things like the Babysitter's Club and going, that's for teenagers. And like, actually, we're like, no, this is great. <laughs> you no. know? I mean, I spend a lot of time looking at what teenage girls like, right? right. Because I have a young adult lit podcast. So <laughs> right, exactly. a lot of time in that world. And I, I think that's true. I mean, I think there are still and always will be people shitting on what teenage girls like. Yeah, there's always going to be jerks. Um, but I do see like... I see a respect for Gen Z mm-hmm. culturally. Um, that's really nice. Like, yeah. and I think we have a respect for teenagers now. And also just reading Young Adult Lit. Like, the Young Adult Lit that we had in the, like, 2000s, if we're looking at this for a marker of youth culture, <laughs> there was so much Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yeah. There was so much Not That Kind of Girl. There was so much of the, like, cool girl phenomenon where it's, like, she's skinny and hot, but she eats burgers Whoa. and she hates women. Whoa. And um, Sounds like a lot of men I know. Well, exactly, right? <laughs> there was the cool girl archetype, which right. is she's... And we still see this with, like, MRA sad boy incel types right. being, like, she has to look like a hot girl and act just like me. Right. I don't know. It's kind of gay it's kind of gay um (laughs) but like there has been a change and now in youth media we're seeing lots of be who you are Mm -hmm. like what you like get into what you're getting into um and that's a really nice shift and maybe that can also look like drink the pumpkin spice latte if you like the pumpkin spice latte because it's tasty i don't know about like I don't know about the ubiquity of pumpkin spice. Mm. They're kind of putting pumpkin spice in everything. It's having its bacon moment, eh? Yes. And I don't think pumpkin spice belongs everywhere. Sure. But at the same time, I will say, sure, from a, like, capitalism is bad standpoint, yes, it is, like, please stop putting pumpkin spice pumpkin spice and everything but from a let's experiment with food and see where those innovations can and can't work point of view i do think that there's something fun about that at the same Mm -hmm. time you know Mm -hmm. i just don't think that it always needs to be mass produced well it's like okay you have pumpkin spice latte good you can have a pumpkin spice candle good yeah Uh, you can have a pumpkin spice bath bomb sure yeah pumpkin spice popcorn Mm, okay if that's your thing I could okay. see that. I could see I'm that not, working. Well, sure. that, and that exists. Mm-hmm. But like, I just feel like there are people who just push it a little too far. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't have any examples of this. I do. Friend of the show, JP Carvaki, a little while ago was given pumpkin spice instant noodles. That is too much. Yeah. That is too much. Yes, the pumpkin spice mac and cheese. Sure. That yeah. is too much. There are places where pumpkin spice doesn't need to be. If you want to put some pumpkin puree in your instant noodles, I will not stop you. But, like, at some point, it's like, this is a novelty item, and it's also food, and people aren't going to eat it or enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And why did you 
ruin a perfectly good packet of instant noodles. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it's when the when the bit becomes wasteful. Yeah, and you know yeah. that's just going to end up in a food bank for a bunch of people who don't fucking want pumpkin spice instant noodles, you know? Yeah, I will say, if our food bank ever gave me pumpkin spice instant noodles, I'd be like, fuck, okay, and I would try them. But like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that everybody is going to be as like open to some nonsense as I am. Well, I mean, if you're just like I'm, I'm thinking about like feeding your kids, right? right? Like you get your 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 basket from the food bank, and it's like, here, kids, here's the instant noodles you're used to. Except <laughs> surprise, there's cinnamon. <laughs> They're gross now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, um, like you don't yeah. you don't have to you don't yeah. have to do that. You really don't. You really don't. <laughs> For people who want pumpkin spice but don't necessarily want to go out and buy it mass-produced, a simple recipe for the breakdown of pumpkin spice uh, in whatever quantity you want to make it is 18 parts cinnamon, 4 parts nutmeg, 4 parts ginger, 3 parts clove, and 3 parts allspice. Do with that what you will. So that's like the pumpkin pie spice part of it. Yeah. But I do think the pumpkin is an important flavor profile as well. Sure. And I do think that like at least at Starbucks when you get the latte, there is a like pumpkin note to it. It's not just the spice blend. Very little pumpkin puree, but there is in fact some. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. It has that body. It has that like that Mm -hmm. texture to it. It's really nice. I need to go make some more pumpkin pie. Yeah. I really like pumpkin pie. I would eat pumpkin. I like pumpkin pie for breakfast. Mm. That's how I like pumpkin pie. I like to make a pumpkin pie and then I put it in the fridge and in the morning I have a big wedge of pumpkin pie with a cup of coffee and it is Yeah. So good. That is our last breakfast. So good. This morning for and, breakfast, I oh, had leftover Lebanese garlic potatoes. It this, was a choice. This morning for breakfast, I didn't because I was getting the kids to school and daycare. And I haven't had breakfast yet. Um, well, we should wrap up. And we should wrap up. Breakfast. But I wanted to say one more thing, which is that I made a gluten-free pie crust when I made the pumpkin pies for Thanksgiving. And I didn't par-bake it enough, so I had a bit of a soggy bottom, as uh, <laughs> Mary Berry would say. But uh, <clears throat> it was so yummy. And I was really excited. It was just like a regular pastry crust that mm. I made with Bob's. Bob's Red Mill one to one gluten free flour replacement and it was flaky. It had the layers. It was crispy. It was buttery. It was so good. Isn't it exciting that gluten free baking is becoming more and more possible? Gluten free <laughs> baking is so much better than it used to be. Yeah. When I first went off gluten, I was fifteen years old, so that was in two thousand six, and you had to get all these different flowers and they weren't carried in most stores so you had to find them wherever you could find them and you had to blend your own flowers you had to weigh them and blend your own and figure it out and and if you found just like a flower blend like what i remember is that all the gluten-free flower blends had chickpea flour in them Mm. which has a really strong flavor it's real distinct it's real distinct (laughs) and you can use it for some things but you don't want your cookies to taste like chickpea flour Um, At one point, somebody told me to use rice flour, and I didn't know about all the different types of rice flour, and I made muffins out of, like, mochi flour, (laughs) uh, which didn't work. They weren't good, uh, but they're they're really blazed into my memory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And now, 10 years later, (laughs) 15 years later, (laughs) whoops, you can just like get a bag of flour off the shelf of any grocery store that will act the same way mm-hmm. unless you're making anything with gluten development like bread yeah you really can make like any of the the pastries or cookies or quick breads or whatever and they're just good like yeah. they just work it's so nice 
it's really, really different. Yeah, I will say it's it's really nice that as soon as I got into baking biscuits, I got into baking biscuits, and then like a month later, you had to go gluten free. Yeah, and I was like, oh shit, no, I won't be able to make biscuits. But gluten free, they're exactly the same. They're yeah. perfect. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, you said that, and now I feel like a pumpkin spice biscuit would be mm. real nice. You'd sure. have to figure it out texturally. Mm-hmm. It would be hard to add the pumpkin without messing up the texture. But you could do the rest of the spices in there pretty yeah. easily. Like yeah. you could do a like literally pumpkin spice as opposed to like pumpkin pumpkin spice. You know? Yeah, and also if you replace the liquid, like mm. there's a little milk in it, right? Yeah. That you add slowly. If you just blended that with a little pumpkin puree. Oh yeah. Uh, huh. and just just replaced the liquid. Maybe I'll try that, that this week. That could be really nice. If you're listening and you think that a pumpkin spice biscuit sounds good, why don't you try that this week and tell us how it goes? There you go. On that note, happy Halloween. En- <laughs> Enjoy your jack-o'-lanterns. Don't sell your soul to the devil. Or do. It's up to you. Don't shit on things people enjoy. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You want to sell your soul to the devil? Sell your soul to the devil. You know what? Yeah. Fuck Who it. Who judge? Do it. Yeah. Um, maybe turn him into a coin while you're at it. Girl that sounds boss. Like <laughs> this Halloween for my girl boss Halloween, I'm turning the devil into a coin. Uh, speaking of coins, thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. <laughs> oh, Patreon. We're going to get there. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this spooky Halloween episode, kind of, of No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Do you want to tell us about your favorite way to eat pumpkin spice or about something egregious that we missed in this episode, which probably we did, you know? We're not probably. experts. We're just fans. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at No Bad Food Pod, at Tonsilat and I, and at Tefferbear. If you liked this episode and want to help us make the show even better, or if you didn't like this episode and you're like, oh boy, this show needs to get better. <laughs> Head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and donate. For as little as $1 a month, you will be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendalyn, Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, and David. David is our spookiest patron. <laughs> David. Our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, uh, and also a little smooch, if that's exciting for you. <laughs> that's a new one I added. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, If that's exciting for you, uh, and it should be, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and make it happen. Mm-hmm. We also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friendo. Our theme music is by Zach Ingles and our cover art is by David Flam. All Davids are spooky. It's the same you can David. Find- what? David Flam's our patron. Oh. And he's genuinely spooky. He has a lot of spooky merch and spooky art. You can find links for both of them in this description. And last but not least, this show was produced by... Tom Zalatni and... Tefra Jemian and edited by... Tom Zalatni. As part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Happy Halloween. (gasps) Halloween! Oh, spooky scary! Okay. (laughs) They did a cast. They did a pumpkin cast. I'm trying to find the stop button. No, 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 keep going. Keep going. (laughs) It just takes a little time. It takes a little time.
on behalf of the Canadian people. Welcome, Welcome to, to the Gay and Grey podcast. Gay and Grey Montreal is a new social group for English-speaking gay elders from the 2S LGBTQIA plus communities. So it's a good way to at least connect with people. Members share their experiences, memories, and opinions on our podcast. Welcome to our community. I hope you feel well. I hope you feel accepted. And I hope that you can share anything that you want. This is some of my story. And I hope you enjoy it. Oh, I have a great story. Hello, my name is Stefan and I am the host of a show called Some Good Friends and it's a podcast and it will make you laugh and we talk to some of my good friends and they're crazy and hilarious and wacky and you're going to love them just as much as I do. Currently, while I'm recording this, I forgot to mute all my other takes so I'm hearing myself say different words in my ears. The show comes out every Monday, weekly.